Trust in His righteousness alone. Fall as to stand before the Glory, glory to God. Don't be seated just yet. Good to see you all today. Uh, if you read the Daily Bread today, uh, you picked up that there is a difference between looking and seeing. To look at something and to actually see. There's a difference between hearing and listening. And, and it's a call to conscientiousness because of a uh, prostitute that came in the room and all the people of the rigid law looked at her like, how could Jesus allow her near? And Jesus said, see this woman? I just want you to look around a little bit at some of the eyes around you. And let's just for a moment get beyond looking to seeing people who matter to God. Glory to God. Made in his image. Yeah, made for a relationship with him. Praise God. Can we give him praise? Yeah. All right. You can have a seat. I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit. Really glad to be here today. Uh, really enjoying Hebrews. Excited to get into the second half of the book of Hebrews. A couple of things going through my mind as we were worshiping today. Thanks to all of you who showed up for a prayer Thursday night. A lot of it was celebration for the miracles that we've seen. Rich Babcock, who should have been uh, dead, the, the heart doctor can't believe. What did I do wrong? That was kind of blunt. You should have been dead, bro. I can't even believe you'd show up today. <laughs> it's awesome. The heart doctor... Uh, just blown away, but then this week, you know, the question was, would he get a permanent uh, kind of a port put in for dialysis going forward because uh, they needed to get rid of the temporary one, and instead, guess what? He got to throw the whole port in the trash, so glory to God. For, yeah, give glory to God for that. You know, it's really awesome. I, Valerie and I had the opportunity to make a hospital visit, someone that you, probably most of you know and care about. Uh, down in Greeley, and, and the way God just has opened the doors for this gal, just she just believes God led her right where she was supposed to be, and um, just so many things that, that played out perfectly in this scenario. She's not in the hospital now, she's recovering, but 
this, this surgeon, this very accomplished surgeon who, you know, his job's been threatened several times because of his faith, but she didn't know that. But to have your surgeon, your heart surgeon, walk in the room, sit down with you and say, um, let me know if this offends you, but I just need to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> and she said, yeah. And he said, well, we have a great starting point then, don't we? Is that cool or what? Yeah, it, it really is. So, so praise God. Praise God. There was another thought pressing on my mind. Let me see if I can get it because uh, I don't want to miss it. Maybe it'll come to me while we're teaching this morning. Oh, dear. Well, God is good and we keep on praying, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, okay, so I want to get right into this. Beyond trust fun babies. <laughs> oh, dear. And, I, and, and just right away, the, the first point here is our great promise. We have a, a promised eternal inheritance. Promised eternal inheritance. Promised eternal inheritance. That's really the thrust this morning. Can you say those three words with me? promised eternal inheritance that that's exactly right verse 15 listen to it christ is the mediator now as we work this text here today just realize that i am working the entire second half of the book of hebrews so you can check this out and get every verse but for the sake of 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 just trusting the lord for clarity for everyone regardless of where we are in our faith journey uh, I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting very key statements here, but, but if you look at the text, you'll find I'm really honoring it. So here we are, verse 15, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, of a new will, that those who are called may receive, and here's those three words again, read them with me, promised eternal inheritance. And I, I threw you off because I skipped the word the, the promised eternal inheritance. Now, looking at that, I realize that, that we might not grasp everything that's in that statement, but, but I think we can all agree that, that the idea of inheritance kind of sounds good, right, sometimes. I mean, there's a, there, we know there's a downside of it, but, but inheritance uh, can, can be uh, something that's, that's nice to receive at those times in life that that they become a reality so this is really why the title is here beyond trust fund babies but what we need to recognize about our promised eternal inheritance several things see if you if you're part of a will an earthly will it's temporary the promised eternal inheritance isn't temporary why well because it's eternal <laughs> right promised eternal inheritance it isn't something that can be taken away it isn't something that will ever diminish wear out it won't break you don't pass it on at your demise you actually get to carry it on into eternity it's a promised eternal inheritance someone jokingly said that misers may not be fun to live with but they make really great ancestors it's all about the inheritance right yeah, I had to bring this comic strip this morning. You've probably seen it. I mean, here's father and son standing in front of a garage full of junk when dad says to the son, one day, son, all of this will be yours. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who's, who's, in, the, who's in the scrap business, and uh, he has 
one of the biggest yards in, in a whole territory around here, uh, crossing many states where people bring their stuff to him. And uh, he, he doesn't hold much value in automobiles. Uh, you know, what he, what he always tells me is, Mikey, I love to go stand in the middle of brand new car lots, look around at all those brand new cars and think to myself, one day, all of this will be mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God is no miser. God doesn't pass on junk. He exceeds human expectations. He gives a promised eternal inheritance. I want you to keep hearing that. A promised eternal inheritance. That's the first point. A great promise. A promised eternal inheritance. But the second thing that we need to recognize is that the promised eternal inheritance comes at a huge price. Someone had to die. And that's really verses 16 through 26. That that we must understand that which God offers us cost him dearly. You go to verse 16, and all of a sudden, and this is in the NIV. If you go to the King James or, or one of the older translations, you will discover the word covenant is consistent. But you can also use, if you understand the language, you can use the word will. There's a side of it that the word will gets confusing, but to try to help with our simple understanding, the will is used here because we tend to understand that in order for a will to be activated, somebody has to die. And that's the way it is with this covenant to rescue mankind from our struggle with with sin. Jesus became a man in order to die that the inheritance might become available to you and me. So then that poses a question. Well, what about those who died before Jesus came? Well, they, through prophets, through the scriptures, starting right away, early on in the book of Genesis, anticipated the coming Messiah. They demonstrated their faith by a continual practice of offering sacrifices, animal sacrifices. The animal sacrifices were merely a copy of the real thing. Jesus Christ is the real thing. Jesus Christ became the sacrifice that ended all sacrifice, and he became the sacrifice that put an end to this whole practice. So we get to verse 22, and it tells us that because of our sin, everything in creation has been impacted. It's all been infected. It's all been thrown off in such a way that God's law requires, look, notice it, that it be cleansed with blood. And then it says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Okay, so now right here we need to be honest. We need to be honest. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned. Okay, we can't do anything about it. You might not understand that, that, that word sin, but if you read on in that verse, you'll find that it means we fall short. If nothing else, our consciences remind us that there is a standard and somehow we are not meeting it. So we've all sinned. Then the Bible tells us that there is a penalty for that sin. And that penalty is death. Now, 
To understand the word death is to understand that it means a separation. A separation from God who is the source of all blessing. Therefore, it's to do life separated from blessing. Why is the world such a mess? Why do people do the things they do? You've got to understand this. Separation from God is separation from blessing. Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. But Christ who was without sin, unlike you and me, Christ who was without sin took our sin upon himself, literally identifying with its sin. We sin, he took it upon himself as if it were his own. In other words, they did it, but I'm owning it. This is what we're talking about right here. Then with our sin on himself, he died the death that you and I deserve in order to set us free so when you realize that then what you realize oh and and you'll have to excuse my my theology but it, it really messes me up at times because uh, i've uh, my radar has become so sensitive when i hear people say what they deserve because i think about what i deserve and it's like i don't want what i deserve <laughs> And suddenly, just this confidence that God gives me is this huge gift, this huge, huge, huge blessing. And it's like, wow, even this opportunity to know life with God and to know a blessing. In fact, um, this uh, song we sing, Blessed Assurance, uh, do you appreciate that song? Blessed Assurance, yeah. That's, that's an oldie, and I saw some of you uh, didn't grow up with that song. I didn't grow up with that song, but I remember when I first heard it, and in my spirit, this is my story. This is my story. And, and right now, I'm at a point in my life where my prayers are drastically changing because we're so caught up in praying for temporary stuff. You know, uh, this child needs healing. Um, these people need some help financially, or whatever it is. But if they find healing, if they find their financial need met, and, and I hope they do, do they know him? Do they have a story of God's transforming power? And man, that is becoming the priority of my prayer, that everyone have a story. That story is a free gift from God. Yeah. So this young girl had just recently graduated college um, in graduating she realized that she would have to take on a strict budget because you know college debt and so forth so she was going to limit her grocery budget to 25 dollars a week one day she's standing in line getting ready to pay for for all of her groceries when she realized i think you know that i got a little carried away so when she got to the cash register she told the lady who was checking her out she said can we just you know ring this up to 20 dollars and then whatever's left i'll just have to leave behind well, it turned out that the only thing she would have to leave behind was it was a bag of peppers. Well, she didn't even get to her car when here comes this man saying, here's your peppers. <laughs> he handed her the peppers. He was on, her, on his way. No idea who that guy was. No idea what his motivation was. But the guy gave her a gift. He bought her peppers without even knowing her. Nothing expected. Just here's your peppers. Now, that lady might not have understood the intent of the gift. She might not have even understood the gift. She did nothing to deserve the gift. The only thing she did was she had a choice. She could accept the gift or she could reject the gift. And, and so here's the deal. Christ's gift, God's gift to us, is a whole lot more valuable than a bag of peppers. 
Yeah, this is what we're talking about. Through his death, he offers a promised eternal inheritance to anyone who will receive it. We don't have to understand everything about the gift. We just need to recognize that it's being offered and then receive it. Okay, so this takes us to verse 26. Christ appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So here we have everything in God's plan for mankind, to rescue mankind, came together through the life, through the suffering, through the death, and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what do we have so far? Number one, we have a great promise. A promised eternal inheritance. This is what we're seeing in our text. Number two, we saw that that gift came at an incredible price. Somebody had to die. So now we come to number three, which is the result of this is is a great future, that we can literally become God's children forever, which to know that to be with God is to be in the presence of blessing. It's to be in that place where everything comes together as it's supposed to, where everything is made right. This is why it's so important what we've seen so far in the Scriptures. So we come to verses 27 and 28, and we get this compare and contrast that is here to help us. Okay, but before we get there, just a couple of things. Compare and contrast to help us see this great future. Watch this first. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever been somewhere that was so awful you hope never to go there again? I'd just love to hear what you're saying. Some of the grins on your faces are awesome. Have you ever had an experience that was so bad you hope never to go through it again? I mean, I'm studying the scripture, and and this is the question that's coming to my mind, and you'll see why in in just a few minutes. I'm thinking about a story, and as I'm thinking about the story, I'm reminded of the first time that I ever saw a runaway truck ramp. It was right here in Colorado. I was a youth pastor in in Oklahoma. I don't know how many van loads of teenagers we were bringing to Breckenridge for five days of skiing. Yeah, trailers, vans, whole bunch of us. I got a glimpse of a runaway truck ramp, and my first thought was, that thing could kill somebody. (laughs) Huh? My second thought was, I don't ever want to be a truck driver. My third thought was, I don't ever want to be in the path of a runaway truck. <laughs> so Valerie's brother, Victor, he's a very successful custom home builder in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And, and one day he was approached by a friend who is a professional bus driver, a charter bus driver. And he had a proposition for Victor. He said, if Victor would buy a bus, that this guy would drive that bus that he would manage the business and that he would pay Victor out of the profits. It sounded like a really great proposition, and it really was. It was really working terrific for just a little while until the day the Nazarene church chartered that bus for a ski trip in Colorado. 
And it was a great trip. Everything was going terrific. Uh, the bus had an extra seat. Victor was friends with many of the people from, from that particular church. So he decided, well, I'll just ride along on this one. And, and they're having a great time, and everything's good. Then on the way home, uh, they got just past, you know, Glenwood Springs. I think most of us here know that stretch of the highway. When you, you're there, you think you're out of the mountains finally. But the warning signs are shouting out, truckers, beware. Are you with me here? Yeah, truckers, beware. You're not done yet. Steep grades ahead. Flash, flash, flash. They're, they're letting you know. And right then, the unthinkable happened. That bus lost its brakes. The gears were not holding them back. They were out of control. They were gaining speed very, 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 very quickly. That bus driver, being the pro he was, did everything he could to, to get these people to a, to a safe stop. He was bumping into rails. He was bumping into hillsides. He even bumped into a few cars. At one point, he, he saw what he thought was their only hope. Finally, the center island opened up. It looked a little more level and grassy. So quickly, he made the decision. He turned in, and, and you could imagine, that charter bus was bumping and bouncing at full speed. People were screaming. They were crying. They were holding on. They were praying. And all of a sudden, with just a huge jolt, that bus hit what couldn't have been a more perfect boulder. It stripped the entire undercarriage out of that bus and brought them upright to a safe landing. No one seriously hurt, no one killed. Yeah, now, I tell that story because here's the deal. Everybody who was on that bus has an incredible story to tell, right? But how many of them do you think would sign up to do it again? <laughs> not, not very many, right? Have you ever been somewhere or had an experience that was so bad, you don't ever want to go back there again? And I ask that because of what comes next in verse 27. Notice, people are destined to die once. People are destined to die once. Now, I know as a believer, you might be sitting there and you're thinking, man, you know, death is a great opportunity. I get to go be with Jesus. I get to go be with loved ones in a much better place. And, and we all agree that that all sounds great and fine, but here's the problem. What's the path to get you there? <laughs> huh? I mean, the other side might sound good, but, but what's the road look like? That doesn't, we're not sure, but, but there's really good news here. It's a once in a lifetime experience. Are you seeing this? Yeah, this is what we're talking. In fact, better news gets us to this compare and contrast. So what I've done is I've taken the second half of verse 27 and I've stacked it on top of verse 28 because I want you to see these key words right here. Notice this. Just as people, one, just as people are destined to die once, two, people destined to die once, there, now go to verse 28, first part of the verse. So Christ, one, was sacrificed once, two, to take away the sins of many. So what, what I need you to see here is something that we do once. We die and then we face God. Something Christ did once was he died to take away that impact of having to face God. This is what we're talking about. The entire text is offered so that we can know that God has made a way to prepare us 
to stand before him. That's, that's what this is all about. Every one of us has an appointment with God. Now, you can choose. You can choose to be your own attorney and try to argue your own goodness there. Scripture tells us that's not going to end well. Or you can accept the fact that God has a better plan, that he has appointed counsel on your behalf. His name is Jesus Christ. And the way he argues your case before the Father is to say, this one's covered. I paid the penalty for his too. It's a gift. This is what we're talking about. Death, it's a one-time event. So that baloney about reincarnation, it's appointed unto man to die once. Second, question might be about all those Colton Burpos. You know, heaven is for real. Four years old, he died, and he was in the presence of Jesus, right? What about those? Well, I mean, we can ask God about that when we get there, but we can all agree that the Coltons are an exception to the rule. It's appointed a man to die once. Third, some teach that the exact moment of our death is already determined, okay? That it's, it's, it's laid out. Now, I've got to just be honest. I struggle with that whole concept. When I, when I think about things like suicide, when I think about uh, children that are, are suddenly taken out, when I think about school shootings, don't, don't we talk about the fact that his life or her life was cut short? And, and I also believe that in a fallen world with messed up people, lives get cut short. Yeah. Reminds me of Hezekiah in the Old Testament. I mean, he came to his moment of death. He called out to God And as a result, God gave him an additional 15 years. I believe prayer gave Rich extra time. Yeah. Yeah. I I think about the disciples. Jesus said to the disciples that, that Satan wanted nothing more than to destroy them. And Jesus said, but I prayed for you. (laughs) In other words, he's not going to get his opportunity. And therefore, we keep on praying. But one thing that's for sure... Every one of us has an appointment with God. And may God use that reality to wake us each up to the things that really matter. Okay, so then someone asks the question, well, why do we have to die? Well, first, it serves as a reminder of just how horrible sin is. If it wasn't for our rebellion, there wouldn't be this moment of death. Secondly, if we'll allow it to, God will use it to help us to number our days, particularly to help us understand that the thing that the only thing that matters ultimately is relationships, particularly a relationship with him. I mean, do you know him? Do you have a story? He wants to give you a story, and it begins the moment you call on his name. But here's the really cool thing. For those who put their hope in Jesus Christ... The sting of death is gone. We no longer have to wonder. We no longer have to be concerned because we have a, what are those three words again? Promised eternal inheritance in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, so then somebody asked the question, you know, there in verse 28b, you know, why is it the word many? I mean, come on, Michael, shouldn't it be the word Everyone, everyone, 
Well, read on. It says, talking about Jesus, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin. Why? That's done. It's a finished work. That's done. But why? To bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus Christ, he came the first time to deal with our sin problem. He's coming again to set things right. And the problem is not everyone is embracing the gift that Jesus is offering. As a result, not everybody is looking forward to his coming. See? And that's what this word many is all about. God is offering an eternal inheritance, but there are some who are just blowing it off. Listen, listen just for a moment to the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe in him Wait, whoever, excuse me, let's get it right. Let's make sure we get this right. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Oh, I guess I did say it right. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Watch this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but... People love darkness instead of light because their deeds was evil. Their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now hold on to that fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done in the sight of God. Whoa, isn't that ironic, that fear that their deeds will be exposed, yet the truth is they're already exposed? But because we're grabbing a hold of what we want to do and what we want, we're choosing not to grab a hold of what he's offering, the gift. So a young man was getting ready to graduate from university. Coming up to it, he had his eyes on this amazing sports car that was being kept in the showroom of, of a local dealership. And he told his dad, Dad, you know, he knew his dad could afford it. And he said, Dad, if, if you want to get me something for graduation, the, the thing I really want is that sports car. Yeah. So finally, he gets to the day of his graduation. His dad invited him into his study, and he starts talking to him about how proud he is to have such a fine son and 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 how much he loves his his son and then he handed him this beautifully wrapped gift box and the son saw it and he was kind of you know kind of like uh curious wondering like disappointment and and he opened it to find this beautiful leather bound bible with his name embossed in gold on the cover and he was not happy he in fact he was angry he, he raised his voice at his dad, threw, threw the Bible down on the desk, and he said, with all the money you have, this is what you're going to give me? Then he walked out of the room, and sadly, 
They became estranged. Many years passed. They hadn't seen each other since that day. And then one day he gets notice that his father has passed away and he's left his entire estate to the boy. Suddenly grief came over this young, well he's not young now, but grief came over him filled with remorse and, and regret. He started making his way back to his childhood home, a place he hadn't been in, in, in years. He entered into his dad's study there, and there was that Bible placed in the same exact spot where he had left it so many years ago, just where he left it. So he opened it up, and immediately he noticed that there was something highlighted. There was a marking in the page. He opened it up and found it was Matthew seven eleven. He began to read, and if ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? He'd no more read that verse when a key dropped out from the back of the Bible. Uh, can you believe it? It was a tag. On that, on that key was a tag with that dealer's name, that same dealer that had that sports car so, so many years ago. And, and on that tag was the date of his graduation with the words, paid in full. Now, I, I don't share that story to suggest God has this fancy sports car in store for anyone who puts their faith in him, or that this is about, you know, lining yourself up for some kind of earthly treasures. But here's what God wants everyone who will hear to know this morning. He is offering a promised eternal inheritance to anyone who will receive it. The sad thing is, Many will toss it aside because they've got their eyes on something less. Today, God is inviting you. He's giving you the greatest gift of all. He's offering it to you with all his heart. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give great gifts to those who ask him? A promised, eternal inheritance just listen to those scriptures one more time let the spirit speak as he may i am not up here as some kind of hammer trying to beat something into your brains i just want you to hear the word of god i want the word to come alive in you i want you to have a story of his transforming power hear the word christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive a promised eternal inheritance he was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him that's the word of god will you pray with me I believe the Holy Spirit speaks and therefore I don't believe it's my responsibility to be a salesman or to try to argue, but to allow the Holy Spirit room to work. And the one question that God has given me over and over again, given us as a body, is what is he saying to you today? What is he saying to you? 
might not even be anything I said, but it's the Word of God coming alive in you. And then the second question, how will you respond? Jesus, at this moment, we just have to say thank you for this gift. Thank you for dying so that we could have life. We don't want to toss it aside, but we want to embrace it. And we want our lives going forward to reflect who you are and this great gift that you've poured into us. You gave your life for us. May we give our lives to you and may it manifest in our giving our lives to others for your namesake, for your glory. Thank you in Christ's name.